0: You are on trend with the Alumni Trending Podcast. My name is Paul Clifford, and throughout my career in higher education, my mission has been to connect alumni to what they love most about their alma mater and to activate them in ways that support the aspirations of the institutions I have served. As advancement professionals, we are leading a movement a mobilization of alumni in support of education for a lifetime. On this podcast, you will hear the voices leading our profession, advancing our institutions, and keeping higher education strong around the world. You are going to learn and be inspired by the passion and purpose driving these advancement professionals right here on Alumni Trending. What's up, trendsetters, and welcome to the Alumni Trending Podcast. Today on the podcast, we are talking to Abby Hopkins. She is the Associate Director of Development in the College of Agricultural Sciences here at Penn State, and the most recent chair of the CASE District 5 Conference. Today's trend lines include growing your career at one institution, getting involved with your professional organization, and the power of professional networking. Since 1999, Abby Hopkins has played an integral role in the success of Penn State's fundraising efforts. First as a development assistant and stewardship professional in the College of Agricultural Sciences, and then working in stewardship university-wide to provide guidance and leadership on stewardship policy, procedures, and best practice. In 2018, Abby decided on a career shift and returned to the College of Agricultural Sciences to apply her new stewardship knowledge to major gift fundraising. Helping people reach their full potential, making meaningful connections with others, and continuous learning has been a thread throughout her career. And in 2015, Abby joined the Council for Advancement and Supportive Education's uh, CASE as we know it, District Five Conference Committee to contribute to her profession. This service culminated in her role as conference chair for the 2019 conference which was just held in Chicago this past December. Abby holds a bachelor's degree from Penn State in human development and family studies and is a graduate of the University Scholars Program. A lifelong resident of State College, Abby is one of nine Penn Staters in her family and a life member of the Penn State Alumni Association. I'm proud to welcome fellow Penn Stater Abby Hopkins to the Alumni Trending Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. So Abby, talk a little bit about how you launched your career in higher education advancement.
1: Okay. So I, like most people, had no idea that development existed at all. Um, I mean, I grew up in State College around Penn State and didn't even know that there was a campaign going on when I applied for my first job in higher ed and in development. And I kind of fell into it because I had some grant writing experience. My degree from Penn State is in Human Development and Family Studies. Um, and I had been doing some grant writing, and I saw, you know, the job posting back when there were actual newspaper postings <laughs> for jobs, that they were looking for someone with good writing skills and proposal writing skills. And I had no clue that a proposal in the development world was so very different than a proposal in the grant writing world. You know, I interviewed and and got the position as a development assistant. And that was almost exactly 21 years ago that I started in the College of Ag Sciences. And I had no idea, you know, what I was getting into. And so it was kind of a part of Penn State I had never seen before. As I as I learned and, and grew in my position, um, I realized that we were still very much in the early stages of learning this business. Um, and we had a lot that we could do to improve where it comes to stewardship. So I ended up kind of being on the ground floor with a group of colleagues across the university and helping build Penn State's stewardship program. Um, and then I ended up doing that centrally for a while. Um, and then two and a half years ago, came back to ag because I I missed being part of the college and this being part um connecting with alumni more, I had been very much in a business role at the university um so I've been back uh two and a half years now and meeting with alumni and and helping them make gifts to the university
0: absolutely and and what an interesting career path you know i I think about uh the passion that advancement professionals bring to the work that we do. Sometimes it's for, it's for the work and that they're driven by higher education. Sometimes it's by the particular institution. Uh, but I would imagine that your passion is actually a mix of both, having spent 21 years at the same institution here, your alma mater at Penn State. But talk a little bit about kind of your passion for the work. Is it to make Penn State better? Is it the belief in higher education? Uh, or is it a, a nice mix of both?
1: It's definitely leans more towards the belief in higher education. You know, education is is the great equalizer. I think it's so important that we have opportunity for people to get their education and um, grow as a person and then grow our society together. So I feel it's just such a basic need. and i, as as much as I love Penn State and I grew up here, I never anticipated that I would still be living here and that, Penn State would become such a, a continued huge part of my life. That's partially why I got involved in CASE, too, is because I don't think, well, while I love what Penn State is doing, and I'm very passionate about us doing things the right way, um, and that's where my stewardship passion comes in, is that that we are good stewards of the funds that people give us and good stewards of our alumni. It's not just about Penn State. There are so many excellent institutions out there doing really great work and being a part of that larger group of people is what is, is so meaningful to me.
0: You referenced your volunteer experience with case and we're gonna to get to that in just a minute, but it it strikes me as uh as a little interesting, you know, as I look at your career. You you spent a good piece of your career up until maybe the last two or three years thanking people and and letting people know what we were doing with their gifts. And now you're on the other side of that, where you're actually trying to tap into donor passion and you're asking them, uh, you're on the asking side, what has been the biggest difference between the work you were doing early in your Penn State career versus what you're doing most recently now?
1: It's actually not that different. It's more personal. So I still am thanking people. I still am talking about the impact that their gifts have. Um, For the most part, even though I'm I'm working in major gifts, most people have already given back to the university in some way. And so that conversation always starts with what they're passionate about and with thanking them for what they've been able to do at the university. And sometimes it's volunteering. You know, they've come back and, and... in a speaker in a class or they've they've just helped our whole industry move forward in some way. so it's not what's most different is I was doing that on such a grand scale that it was hard to be personal. I was trying to be personal um, but when you're stewarding the entire university, you don't get to know those individual stories and so now I get to have those individual conversations and really get to know. A person and who they are and what is meaningful to them and have those really great conversations about what what kind of difference they want in to make in the world, how that Penn State can be part of that, if Penn State can be part of that, and then help them kind of match those interests. Um, so it's just, it's still stewardship, but it's just more of a qualitative or or, you know, individual relationship.
0: When you think back on your career, you know, you mentioned you've been uh, at the ground floor at Penn State as part of a team that put together uh, a stewardship strategy that still continues to play out and evolve. Um, and now you're working on a more individual basis in the College of Agriculture as the Associate Director of Development. What are you most proud of when you look back at the work that you've done? Is there is there a gift that stands out or is there a program that you've put in place that stands out it really is
1: the stewardship program at penn state so which it's kind of would be easy to talk about um the system that that i worked closely with um other colleagues on developing that's a homegrown system that helps us track stewardship um track thank you notes look at endowment spending um and so it's a tool But really what I'm more proud of is all the work that went into building a culture of stewardship across the university. It really is, was way beyond development and alumni relations. And that was something that it took a lot of work. It took a lot of conversation, um, relationship building within the university, um, because, you know, as a, a fundraiser, we bring money in to the university, but we don't have anything to do with spending that money. We never spend it. So the the work of stewardship is really with our faculty, with our students, with our staff. And so getting um, people to understand that and not only understand that, but own it and feel proud of it and um, get past any fears they have about talking with donors, um, and, and see this as something that is a positive thing that we're all working on together that can help their program. Um, that, that kind of stuff is what I'm, I'm most proud of. And you know, building a network of stewardship coordinators um, across the university and, and being um, able to facilitate discussions on how we can do better and always thinking about doing better um, is really what I'm most proud of.
0: You know, I'm not at all surprised by your answer because not only have you built and been part of the team that has built a stewardship program here at Penn State, but you've also been a good steward of our profession. Talk about your involvement with uh, the Council for the Advancement and Support of Education and particularly your involvement in, in Case District 5.
1: Like I had mentioned before, I never envisioned that I would stay at Penn State my whole life. and you know where we live it's very much um there aren't other institutions around us there aren't other colleges close by to really interact with and so you have to be very intentional about making relationships outside of Penn State now there's a lot of movement in our profession in different institutions but i've not had that um and that is um a weakness of mine because i only know the Penn State way so um through my my former um director in donor relations she had been at multiple institutions and she introduced me to um a really great colleague of our profession Jeff Lieberman um at the University of Iowa and he was like oh yeah if you know if Chris thinks you're great then let me connect you and and um they happened to have a spot, um, open on the conference committee that year. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I, you know, jumped in, went to Chicago and, um, it it really was such a wonderful, you know, I, I, I had no idea what I was getting into, but like the, the enthusiasm and, um, just just getting together and getting to know on a personal level people at other institutions um, and not just in development, but in alumni relations and communications, lots of different roles, lots of different institution sizes um, and working together um, as a group to really brainstorm and think about um, where our profession's going, what our biggest needs are, um, how can we do better? How can we make sure that that everyone in our profession is making is doing the right thing and making us all move forward together um, is very energizing, um, and you not only get ideas to bring back to your own institution, but you get this um, energy and enthusiasm and lifelong relationships um, that that just you can't you know I, I'll I'll never regret the all the time that went into that work.
0: A big shout out to Jeff Lieberman, a fan of the (laughs) alumni trending podcast. Liebs is a, is a great colleague. Uh, Our paths have crossed a number of different times. And, and really, I think that that story that you just shared is kind of quintessential higher education advancement and kind of the network that we have where, where you didn't know Jeff Lieberman until you met Chris uh chris introduced mm-hmm. you and, and and that's really you know the network of professionals that are just uh involved with what we do uh and so open to connecting and helping others from uh different institutions from different experiences is unlike any other industry that that i've ever been around or, or introduced to
1: yeah i mean it is indicative of our of our industry is that we share we, aren't, we don't hide from other people the, the work that we're doing. We share and we help each other out in a way that I think a lot of other industries don't do.
0: I think it goes back to your early answer uh, in that we, don't, we are not necessarily competing with each other, yet we, we have this shared passion for higher education and, and what education can do. And so if something's working at one institution, our inclination is to share it which is, which is almost uh, the opposite of every other industry, right? Every other industry is looking for a competitive advantage. Uh, we take our competitive advantage advantages, right, and we share them with others so that it makes our industry, it makes education stronger, it makes, uh, it makes our country stronger because we're able to do better things for education here in, in the United States. So uh all right so so you got involved with Lieberman which um which those who know him that that might have that might have been a dead end uh but it has really worked out for you uh it led to other volunteer opportunities within Case District 5 ultimately culminating in you being the uh the chair of the district conference this past year talk a little bit about uh about kind of your uh, ascension to that role, uh, and then we'll dive in a little bit later on on uh, the actual responsibility of pulling off a conference for thousands of your of your colleagues. But how did you get in position to be the chair of that conference?
1: Again, it's relationship building. I'm I'm the kind of person where if I say I'm going to do something, I do it, and I and I try to do it well and so you know when you when you're working with volunteers you don't always have equal levels of commitment so i think that i i did what i could to to jump in wherever i was needed um and i think that was recognized and building the relationships with people on the board um you know they they saw something in me and and honestly i wasn't sure if i would ever even be considered in a leadership role um, because, you know, Penn State is kind of um, maybe a stepchild to uh, case District 5. You know, we aren't regionally, we aren't in District 5, but we petitioned to be part of District 5 because that's where um, the other Big Ten schools were. So I, I didn't even know whether the bylaws would, would allow me to do that. Um, but, you know, I worked with some people and and developed those relationships and You know, I, I just loved it so much, like being, being part of that and, and being, learning new things. Um, some things I'll never need to know again, like how to manage the case registration system, but, you know, like it, it was, we were a team that was working together and, um, you know, I think it's just, they, they saw something in me and I was of course willing to, to dive in and do the work and,
0: well, I, I, for one, remember being in that room in Chicago for the case conference last December and and being so very proud that it was a Penn Stater up on stage leading that effort. But there were a lot of things that had to happen before you took that stage. So walk us through what planning a district conference entails a district conference for thousands of your colleagues uh, around the region. Take us a little bit behind the scenes on what a conference chair does.
1: Okay. Uh, well, first, it wasn't thousands. Um, it was like maybe seven hundred. So I have to, I have to, appreciate that. It felt like thousands standing on that stage, but it was. I think we had um, about seven hundred people at, um, attend the conference, but yeah, it is an incredible amount of work. It really was like a second job to be conference chair. You know, we met in Chicago three times before we had the actual conference, but the work began, um, you know, as soon as the previous year's conference was over in December, I had to put my volunteer committee together. So, you know, you have to recruit a committee. You know twenty to twenty five people, you take feedback also from the last conference to determine, like, was the committee set up correctly? Are we missing some positions? Um, we had also had a um, consultant look at our conference and give us feedback on what things we could do better. So we were implementing some changes, and that resulted in in making some changes in how we put the conference committee together. Um so all of that had to quickly be done. To turn around and meet in February in Chicago, which is not the most pleasant time to be in Chicago, and or for planes to get in and out of Chicago. <laughs> um, but you know, and, and prepare and and build that group, um, build a, a team of people who've never met each other before, and help them help facilitate that relationship. Think about what we want to do, um, and and just keep on keep the timeline going forward, uh, working with the board, working with, um, case headquarters. So, um, things have changed. My, the conference I did, um, we were all responsible also for all the logistical aspects of it. So that includes, um, working with the hotel and looking at room blocks and AV and all putting together a budget. Um, boy, the more I talk the more I'm like oh that was a lot of work (laughs) Exactly. Um, you know I'd I'd never put a budget together for a conference before and I'm sitting here trying to figure that out you know um determine what who I wanted my keynote speaker to be look at how to identify keynote speakers how to have those conversations um so it, it was a lot of moving parts um So many emails, monthly meetings on the phone or on Zoom, um, you know, just constant conversations about case. So, like to do that, and also um, be relatively new in my in my role as in development back in AG um, was challenging. I I have to say that uh, my family probably suffered a bit. I didn't have much energy for them, um, during that time, but, um, it's, it's a lot of work, work, um, but it is really incredible to, to be a part of it. And I just feel really honored that, um, that they selected me to do it and that I had that opportunity.
0: So Abby, for those listening to the podcast today, that might be inspired by your story what advice would you give them on how they can get involved with CASE? And and where would they go to find those volunteer opportunities?
1: So uh, traditionally, um, we identify volunteers for the conferences at the conference. So, um, And I think this goes beyond CASE. And of course, right now, we aren't having in-person conferences at all. So um, that is particularly challenging. But My recommendation is whenever you go to any conference, volunteer, help staff the registration desk, stand there and get to know people, find out what they do, Um, really make an effort to actually get to know them, get their contact information, know their name, follow up with them. If you're interested in getting more involved, make sure that they know, um, you know, and, and put in the work. You know, no, it it can't be, um, you know, I I think it's really easy to see the difference between a volunteer who really wants to build our whole um, profession and a volunteer who wants to build their own profession. Um, And it, when looking for a volunteer, you want someone who really cares about what we do and making a difference for what we do. Um, and that will come across too. So, um, you know, and just, just dive in. I mean, I also spoke at um, a district two conference in the past. Um, and, you know, at that time I didn't do the relationship building that I should have done when I was there. Um, it's hard to do in those large organizations. Um, but, getting to know people is is the best way to do it and getting people to see you for who you are um and and what you have to offer is also a way to get involved that is that
0: is very well said Abby for those interested in getting involved with case you could visit their website at case.org Abby thanks for joining us on the alumni trending podcast you um I know I'm I'm proud to interact with you as a Penn State colleague. I was very proud to see you up on stage representing Penn State. Uh but but more so uh how you've been just a great steward of our profession and what you've been able to do For all of us who are practitioners in this field to be able to provide that kind of professional development through conferences and through the other ways that you've been able to give back uh, are greatly appreciated.
1: Oh, thank you, Paul. You've been very supportive of me and I really appreciate that and value you as a colleague as well.
0: I'm John Fudo, Vice Chancellor for University Advancement at UMass Lowell, and I'm staying on trend by listening to the Alumni Trending Podcast. There you go, Trendsetters, another episode of Alumni Trending. If you are enjoying the Alumni Trending Podcast, make sure you go out to iTunes or your podcast app of choice and give us a rating and drop us a review. We'd also love to hear from you drop me an email at paul.clifford at alumni trending.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in and keep trending.